Hello, everyone, and welcome to Watch and Walk podcast with Ebenezer. This podcast aims at inspiring you to trust in God and obey His Word every day. Be edified as you listen to this exhortation. Hello, friend. My name is Ebenezer, and I believe you are doing well by God's grace. I trust that you have learned a lot from my conversation with James, the brother of Jesus and one of the leaders of the first century church. Today I'm going to share with you the last part of my interaction with him where I ask him to speak to the issue of favoritism in the church and admonish Christian leaders and teachers of today. And I would remind you again that the role of James is played by Taylor Shippey, who is an MDiv graduate of Baylor Stewart Seminary and the pastor of Gibbon Baptist Church in Gibbon, Nebraska. And let me also inform you that this is the last episode of Watch and Walk podcast, season two, which was dedicated to a series of conversations with Bible characters. Please take a listen to this final conversation. Okay, now let's talk about um, our response to the poor in our midst as a church. And um, I can see that you had something to say about that. Um, those who come to uh, into our midst, those who are not really um, wealthy, how we should respond to them, how should we care for people who are poor. Uh, what would you say to them? And also just say something also about the issue or the question of favoritism in the church. Yes. Um, one of the things that's on my heart that I try to express in my letter is that um, is the care of the poor. I call a religion that is pure and undefiled before God as one that cares for orphans and widows and their affliction. A lack of concern for the poor in your community, I believe, is a sign that your faith is useless. Hmm. A major grievance of mine in my immediate context is that there are people in my congregation showing preference or favoritism towards wealthier individuals in our assembly on a typical worship week when we gather together as the Christian community. What do I mean by favoritism? I'm actually borrowing from the Old Testament understanding of partiality and discrimination. Maybe you've heard it before. It is this idea of receiving the face. In the Greek, we try to change this Hebrew word of receiving the face. We try to express it as best we can, but what we mean it to say is that we make judgments about people based on their external appearance, hmm. receiving the face. In a way, you might say it is judging a book by its cover. I apply this principle to the difference in dress that may reflect people's contrasting social economic situations. Because one of the clearest uh, uh, expressions of status in our world in the, in the first century is, 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 is outward uh, expressions in our garments and our, our ornamentations on our bodies and other things. Christians in my time are making judgments and preferences for fellow Christians based on the world's standards as opposed to God's standards. Whether believers or unbelievers, people should not be evaluated by Christians according to the standards of the world. I believe that favoritism is incompatible with the Christian faith. Believers are not to show favoritism. And I have three reasons for this. One is a theological reason. Mm -hmm. Such an attitude stands in stark contradiction to our Lord's own evaluation 
when he honors the poor. Perhaps you've heard it before. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Suffice it to say, I join the rest of the New Testament, including our Lord, when we attribute great status to those that God has shown favor to. I believe that God delights in essentially showering grace to whomever he decides. And whoever that is, we need to show grace to as well. We're calling the church to embody a similar ethic of special concern for the poor and helpless. Am I saying that God is disregarding the rich? I'm not saying that. I want to preface that when I say, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom? I didn't say that includes the word only. I didn't put the word only in there. Some will do. There is a balance that to be had, but most of the time, the church seems to lend, or at least I would say wealthier people in our churches seem to lend or fall on the spectrum of favoring other people that may look the same as them, as opposed mm. to the poor in their congregations. A second reason is a very pragmatic reason, and this applied to my congregation. When we show favoritism towards the rich, we're ignoring what the rich are doing to the poor. It's almost nonsensical and foolish, and that's what I try to tell my people. There was uneven quality of treatment for church members based on their Roman standards of, opin- uh, of appearance, and, and when we tipped it into the favor of the rich, it was an insult to the poor. It was an insert to them because we were basically condoning what the rich were doing to them. Some of our church who were in poverty were being dragged by wealthy people, including maybe wealthy Christians even, to court. They were being dragged to court for debts that they owed. They were these wealthier people were even mocking the name of our Lord, blasphemy evening. No, don't misunderstand me to say that we're not to show love to those rich people. We're not to show Christian kindness to those people. But I'm simply arguing that we should not have to give uh, undue uh, preference to them at the expense of the poor. Perhaps some believers were calculating that excessive flattery of the rich would, would allow them favor in their eyes, but I'm calling that foolish. We should not have to bank on that, especially at the expense of the poor. And my final reason is this. Discrimination against the poor violates the demand of the love of neighbor, which is the centerpiece of our Lord's interpretation of the law of God. Scripture does not condone the showing of favoritism. I believe that's a biblical reason. I call it the royal law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Royal in the sense that this is grounded in the kingdom of God, that the king has decreed this law. It's grounded in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which I shall say is actually curiously placed, whereas three verses before is the command to not show partiality to anybody. I shall say that there. But it also go back to the teaching of our Lord, and it's echoed throughout the entire New Testament by my colleagues in ministry. We all agree. In obedience to our King Jesus, Christians are to build upon themselves a genuine countercultural way of living in which the values of the kingdom of God are higher than the values of the kingdom of this world. And so to show favoritism violates the command of love, the heart of the kingdom law. And so we are not to be doing that because I will say that if we do, we become lawbreakers. Lawbreakers indeed. Yeah, we shouldn't we shouldn't regard people based on their appearance, right? Uh, no wonder 
scripture says that God is not a respecter of persons. Thanks a lot for that word. And um, as we conclude this um, discussion, do you have any particular or any specific word to teachers, to pastors, and also a general word to Christians? Yes, thank you for asking. I have a heart for fellow pastors as myself, and I make a reference even in my letter. I say we, reference to teachers. And I want to talk about that just for a moment because the office of teacher is a very important office. And I think it still is in your time. It was very important in my time because it was we kind of translated from the idea of rabbi in our Hebrew circles now into our Christian circles. The apostles Paul spoke of teachers as a gift of the spirit that's bestowed to the church. But the teacher has the task of expounding the truth of the gospel on the basis of the growing Christian tradition. And being a teacher has privilege, has a place of honor, especially in a time whenever you know lower classes can have, they have fewer opportunities and opportunities for advancement. That's how it was in my time. Perhaps it still is for yours. And so while I, I admit that not everyone is perfect, I also think that the role of being a teacher is highly hazardous. And so perhaps again, maybe this is contextual to my time but I think it still has bearing on your world. And I just want to speak to those maybe right now, maybe you're in my shoes, that you're a teacher or a pastor, someone that's expounding the word. And so I want to just speak to those people right now that it's not about having status. That's not what makes you a teacher. It's not the, That should not be the goal of your ministry. You should not have a, a bitter partisan spirit or a quarreling spirit or an unkind critical spirit within you. That should not characterize a teacher. But the biggest thing is, and this is why I link it when we talk about tongues, is that teachers are those that control other people with their words. Teachers have uh, public control over others by the way they use their words. They have opportunities to influence people that few have. And here are just a few temptations regarding your speech that others do not have. Arrogance and domination over your students, anger at contradiction or opposition, slander or abuse directed towards rivals, or the other idea could be is the flattery from your students for your own sake of popularity. And so I talk about how teachers have a stricter judgment awaiting them. And perhaps I have the idea, I, I wanted to say that maybe I have the idea of Jesus in, our, in the back of my mind here when I say that when we cause a little one to stumble, it's worse than having a millstone hung around your neck and thrown into a large body of water. But what I mean by this stricter judgment, it's because as I talk about with the tongue, there's a greater danger of judgment for those that misuse the tongue, that misuse speech. And since as teachers, we are constantly using our speech and our tongue in a variety of ways more words means more opportunities for error. As teachers, we grow accustomed to public speaking. There is a risk of becoming careless. When asked for an opinion, there is a threat of responding without having the any scant of qualifications or any little factual knowledge on an opinion. We need to understand the responsibility that we have for the spiritual welfare of those that we minister to. Because the Lord said, to whom much is given, much is required. And for those of us who teach God's word regularly, we need to follow, I would say, my example and, the, and apply the warning of this verse to ourselves that we as teachers have an immense responsibility that we undertake as we guide people through the Christian faith and be mindful of our words, pastors, 
both in person and digitally. Thank you very much, uh, Brother James, for this time. Thank you for your words of wisdom. Uh, thank you for the exposition, explication, and thank you for the admonition. Uh, we have learned a lot uh, from your words, and I believe uh, my listeners have picked a lot of inspiring, edifying words uh, from this conversation. And my prayer is that we will all learn uh, to apply uh, these um, thoughts and lessons to our lives so that we can be faithful or devoted followers uh, of Jesus Christ. God bless you for your time and God bless you for your insight. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this conversation. Well, I hope that this conversation and all the others that I've had with the various Bible characters have enhanced your knowledge of Scripture and your walk with the Lord Jesus. I'm very grateful to you for your attention, your feedback, your prayers, and your encouragement. You are welcome to revisit the previous episodes and reflect on the application to your life. Season 3 of Watch and Walk podcast begins in the first week of February 2023. Until we meet again... May God equip you with all that you need to trust and obey Him in Jesus' name. Amen.